Hey y'all, this is Mallory Irvin and it's time for all of us to live fully. It's so important in this crazy world of ours that we stay connected, inspired, and motivated to be and do our best. And that's not always easy. I'm here with my guests and friends to share the stories and lessons we've learned to help you live your best life every day and truly begin living fully. Let's make it happen and get started with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for our guest today, Deanna Farron. I am thrilled because she is one of my favorite Instagram accounts to follow. Um, If you guys are not familiar, let me give Vienna a quick intro. So Vienna is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She works out of New York, practicing out of New York City. She received a Master of Science in Marriage and Family Therapy from Northwestern University. She has trained extensively at the Family Institute, Betty D. Harris Center. She's treated individuals, couples, families so many different people in a clinical setting. After moving back east, Vienna continued her training in Manhattan-based private practices. She works, like I said, with individuals, couples. She works in anger management. She does literally so much amazing work. And she started her own practice, Mindful Marriage and Family Therapy, in an effort to expand her approach and help as many people heal and step into their transformation as possible. She is also a relationship expert for Motherly, which is a platform for millennial mothers who are transitioning into parenthood. What is really, really cool too that she does, she runs singles and couples retreats around the world. And she leads relationship workshops in new cities every few months. Vienna literally has half a million followers on Instagram. This is a place where I found Vienna, and she's one of my favorite Instagram accounts to follow. So without further ado, so proud to bring you guys Vienna Farron. All right. So I am with Vienna right now. Thank you so much, Vienna, for coming onto the podcast. We are just so excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here and excited for our chat. Awesome. Well, so I explained a little bit to Vienna kind of off the podcast about the podcast and how living fully is the message that we talk about on every one of these podcasts. And we talk a lot about the things that stand in our way from living our lives to the fullest and things that we can improve upon to live our lives to the fullest. And we talk a lot about relationships on this podcast. And I bring my husband, Colin. Uh, We talk about our own experience with couples therapy and with therapy and just trying to really, you know, better ourselves and better our relationships. And, you know, Vienna has about half a million followers on Instagram. It's really interesting how you brought the message of therapy, in particular couples therapy and individual therapy, all of this to the mainstream, because it kind of is counterintuitive or it's kind of, you know, something you guys were taught against, correct? Totally. Yeah. Right. Right. It's like something to to hide, something to maybe be ashamed of. Of course, you know the stigma around therapy that many of us grew up with, and yeah, I, I do think that there's a big shift that's happening where access to it and recognizing that we're all healing something. And so it's been a beautiful experience and beautiful platform for me to bring some of the content and material of the things that maybe I chat about in sessions or the work that I do on my own self out where it creates just a new thought for, for the reader, if they're willing, right? Like when I started my Instagram, I love that. How you just, yeah, that's all that it was. I remember it. I mean, it was years ago, but I thought, you know, why am I doing this? What's, you know, what's the hope? And gosh, I never thought that it would turn into, into what it is. But I remember just thinking if one person can have one new thought a day, that's, that's the goal. So it's, it's really been a cool space to, to write and share and engage with people. Yes. Awesome. And, you know, I always, um, when I'm clicking through my friends or people, you know, celebrities or a lot of people clicking through people's Instagram stories, I notice, you know, if I keep seeing a name over and over and I kept seeing mindful MFT, like all of these quotes and all of these that people were reposting for a really long time. And, and then now it all comes full circle. It was you (laughs) the whole time, you know, it's, it's been shared across all of these platforms over and over. 
so it seems like it's really resonating with a lot of uh, a lot of people. I mean, it is really resonating with a lot of people. You know, I always wonder people's stories, like why they get into the things that they they get into. And I've listened to you on a lot of different people's podcasts and talking about your own story. So you you were an only child. Your parents were going through a divorce, which you said on this podcast I was listening to that it was the longest divorce in New Jersey history, that that was kind of the catalyst to you getting into it. I mean, tell me a little bit about that. (laughs) I know. I can look back on it now and chuckle about it. Obviously, Mm. living through it was a very different experience. But yeah, my parents got separated when I was in first grade. As you said, I'm an only child. And they went through a really hostile time and that went beyond the nine years. And um, sometimes I share that their relationship really evolved and has transitioned and we've done plenty holidays together and they're, they're great friends now, but there's, you know, going back into the story and going back into the history and going back into the experience, you know, our minds, we love to rationalize and explain our stories. We love to, you know, sort of find the reason for it, the takeaway, the resiliency that has been, yeah, extracted from it. And and that is there. But we also need to be able to go back into that space and acknowledge the story for for what it was. And so, you know, for me as an only child, you know, my dad is Lebanese and at the time he presented with, you know, a lot of a lot of his emotion was was in his anger, was in his manipulation, was in his gaslighting. And, you know, he was really quick with his mind. My mom, she, her emotion was in what felt like overwhelming emotion, flooding of emotion that was just so all consuming. Um, So, you know, a lot of crying and a lot of pain and sadness and, and hurt that just took over. And, you know, I went back and forth between two people who were managing their emotion in different ways, you know, neither of which felt really safe for me as a kid, right? You know, I, again, I can zoom out and I can say, I get it. And I can yeah. see why we go into that space and you know what survival looks like, et cetera, et cetera. But when we zoom back in, right, it's like, well, that, that was still hard for me, yeah. right? And so, you know, as an only child, I don't have a sibling to download, wait, what's going on with mom? What's going on with dad? Can you believe? Oh my God. He's like, you just, you don't have that buddy. And so, you know, I became an observer of what was going on. I, I, I watched and I listened and I absorbed and I figured out what I needed to do, you know, in order to, to be okay in that space. And, you know, what that, what, what that amounted to was a kid who sort of figured out a lot of things on her own got really good at the like the extracurriculars right so i put a lot of time and energy into you know sports and violin and you know german and just a bunch of things yeah. and that's that's where i got good validation right and so it it sort of I muted really relate to that yeah oh good yeah and so it's like it muted this part i you know it developed into being sort of a needless woman for a yeah. period of time masked as an independent woman um yeah. i felt really good about that for for a really long period of time it was like look at what I, you know i don't need anybody i and that was the that was the extension of I don't trust that you guys can see me and hear me. Not like the, you know, not my core basic needs, right? But like that you're seeing that this is affecting me. Yeah. Right? And, and so I didn't trust that they had the capacity at the time, you know, yeah. as a kid. I didn't trust that they had the capacity, that their stuff was so fragile and shaking and on fire already that there wasn't really a whole lot of room for me to bring my stuff forward. And so I didn't. And so I got really good at things. And so I didn't need much at all. And, you know, objectively, if people were looking in at my life, they would have probably said, oh, like she's, she's great. She's she's got it all together. And, you know, she succeeds at a lot of things that she puts her mind and energy too. And those things were all true and I fronted really well, but um, was hiding big parts of myself that I didn't even know were there at the time, right? Yeah. Like as a kid, yeah. you know, and young young adult, oftentimes we don't even recognize this. So, yeah. you know, for me though, I think your question, sorry, I've gone on a big oh, loop no. here. It's like, like- 
given me 10 more questions. <laughs> oh, good. It's like, how did I get into this work? And so, you know, I saw what divorce was. That was the model for me. That's what I knew. It was incredibly painful, not just for me as, you know, the child of it, but also watching the impact that it had on yeah. my parents. And, you know, from an unevolved place, it was like, like, I don't want to experience that at all. I'm not going there. And I wanted to do everything in my power to make sure that I would never get divorced, right? It was just this path of opposition. I'm not going down there. I don't want to experience that because I see what it's like. You know, that obviously has evolved and is not coming from a fear-based place, right? Originally it, it was, but I got into the field because I wanted to understand why some relationships are healthy and functional and expansive and why some aren't and what goes into that and and what are the tools and what's the education that I need? Because I don't want to do that. I went and I studied marriage and family therapy. You know, it's all about relationships and understanding the systems in which we grow up and our programming and our conditioning and how we heal and how we become like the driver in our own lives through waking up, through awareness, through consciousness. So, you know, that's the, that's the short side of the story, but yeah. What what an amazing story. And now here you are having come through this on the other side and you're in a a healthy, awesome, beautiful marriage because your husband, he also does similar work. I've been looking at um, man talks lately. Yes. Connor, you guys got married last year and helping hundreds of thousands of people. And you know, I, I like what you just said. You said you, uh, helping us to to become aware and get back in the driver's seat of our own lives. And you know, it's it's funny how much we let the people that we're in relationships with influence us driving our own cars. Sometimes mm-hmm. I've seen it in my own life. I, you can call it what you want. You know, codependency, and you can call it so many different things, especially in the therapy world and. Vienna and I were talking off the podcast too of how common this this language has become now in the mainstream, this therapy talk. People talk about boundaries and codependency and and all of these things, which I think is a great thing that people are 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 talking about this type of thing. And so something that you just said, in case people don't understand, okay, square one, why do I act like this? You know, everybody, of course, is standing here in, in their relationships, whether they be broken or whether they just want to improve upon them or whether they're looking for one. And they're thinking, you know, I've seen a pattern in myself and, and I, keep, I keep ending up this way in relationships or maybe you keep having the same argument with your spouse. What is square one? You know, what, what is square one? You've mentioned family systems, so I'm assuming that that's going to be the answer. But, you know, yeah. what is the first thing that we, we look at if we're trying to improve upon our relationships and we really want to make that effort? Where do we even start? Great question. Yes. And you, you nailed it. You know me so well already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, so my framework, right, for me is where I always begin is family of origin. And when I say that, it's just the family in which we grew up. And so okay. that may look hundreds of different ways for people, right? It may be mom and dad and you, that was mine, right? And there was a split and neither one of my parents remarried. So that, you know, that was it for me. It might include step-parents. It might include siblings. It might include a grandparent. It might include your niece and nephew down the road, but who come over every single day, right? So there's a lot of different things that, that can go into the family system. So it's just the people you grew up around, right? And okay. who was there most of the time. And sometimes we we have, you know, two, two households that we go back and forth. So I ask people to just consider like who, who is in your family of origin. But for me, it's like we, you know, when we grow up, right, like we are just absorbing everything that is given to us, yeah. right? Like we have no filtration system when we're two years old, right? We're not like, you hey, listen, mom, let me check the facts, right? Like we're not asking questions. You know, there might be times where we get little intuitive hits as kids for sure, because I think kids are so on it mm-hmm. and they know like, hmm, I'm not sure that I like think that this is right. Or like you said something that doesn't seem like it actually aligns with what's going on. And that's how we, it's, it's honestly how as adults, we teach, we teach children to abandon themselves, right? Their intuition, right? Is that they notice something, but then we, you know, we deny it or we tell them something else. And so, but if we go back into it as us, as children, right, our job is to begin to explore the messaging that we've received, right? Like what are the implicit and explicit messages that we receive about, gender, 
about education, about religion, about money, about communication, about conflict, about sex, about intimacy, about, about, about on and on and on. We start to explore those things to see like, what was I taught? Right. What did people tell me about these things? Right. How did I, whether it was spoken through words or whether I just observed it, right. Whether it was something that I just, that was implied because there was maybe commentary or we saw people shut down in conflict. Um, right. Like we get information and data points along the way that tell us and shape our belief systems about how we operate in this world, what we ought to believe, who we are, um, on and on and on. And so our job as adults, when we come to this work is to begin to explore that. Some of what they've given us is spot on. It's good. It's aligned. We're going to keep it. And other stuff we're going to say, actually, that's your stuff. That's not mine. Right? Like, you know, that's a, that's the passing down of your unintegrated trauma or your pain or, you know, your conditioning that you've never challenged. Right. And so, you know, like a really basic, simple example of that, which probably many of us grew up with and heard is like, you know, boys don't cry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just really simple, simple and straightforward. You know, now we wake up to that and we're like, well, that sounds a little weird, right? Like, (laughs) and like shame, shame boys and shame men for, for, for crying. Like, I don't know. Right. So like, just so basic and simple to say, ah, like, what is that message that I received around that? Where else did I get it from? You know, was it was it supported through TV and movies and, and yeah. media? Was it supported through my teachers and my coaches? Right? Was it supported through you know people in the community? You know, yeah. cultural beliefs, traditions, etc. Right? Like we all come from different places with different communities and yeah. different things around us. And so our job is to really zoom in on that and start to ask the questions or start to understand what has contributed to our conditioning, to our programming. Wow. Yeah. And it sounds so, it sounds really complicated. Like when you hear it from you who are so educated in this and you know all of the ins and outs of why we do certain things, but, you know, say, say my husband and I, we come into a session with you and we keep arguing over the same things over and over. I was like, I was watching a lot of your Q and A's on your Instagram and a lot of people were asking similar questions over and over. And there was one question that I kept on seeing about like differing values or differing mm-hmm. beliefs. They said, whether it was like finances, whether it was children, whether it was, I need to feel love from you through words and not mm-hmm. actions. So many couples, I feel like obviously two different people, mm-hmm. they have this kind of clash. So say they come to you and you explore it and you find it in the family system. Oh, actually, you know, your, your parents did this or what, then like, how hard is that to, to break that? How hard is it to change that? Is it something that someone that's not sitting in an office with you or at one of your retreats, is there any way that a listener say they have one of those conflicts in their relationship? Is there any way that they can move forward without the help of a professional, you know, yeah, you know, so sometimes it's it's just about the the thinking piece and it really so the answer to your question has a lot to do with how deep the pain is that okay. is associated with what we're talking about. So sometimes we can connect a dot and be like, oh, this is why you do that. Or this is why I do that. Like, right. I don't want to do that anymore. And we can replace the behavior. Okay. Right. Yeah. But if there's a lot of pain or suffering, wounding, trauma that is related to whatever it is that's being presented, usually we're going to have a hard time just overriding it with thought. Oh, right. that's such a good point. And yeah. that's, I've, I've suffered with that in my, in my mm-hmm. own life. And like, I continue to be like triggered by something or triggered by something. And that's it's right. like, you can't work through it. Mm-hmm. Well, so. it's why, it's why so many people find themselves so frustrated with themselves when they keep choosing the same thing over and over again, when they intellectually know it's not right for them or good for them. Yeah. Right. So like our patterns, right. So a lot of people are really good at knowing their patterns. They've connected yeah. the dots. They, oh, I go for this type of person. I keep finding myself in the same dynamic. Why do I do that? I know that that's not what I want, right? And yet here we are over and over and over again. Or I hate when we get into conflict and I become someone I don't like. I don't want to oh, be that way, right? Like, yeah. so you know, we've got so many examples of that. And so how come I can't just choose differently when I know 
right? How come I can't just change the behavior when I know I don't want to be acting that way, or I don't want to be choosing this type of person who is boundaryless or super critical of me or, you know, on and on and on. And so, you know, that distinction is really important because a lot of the times it means that we haven't done the grieving work that we need to do, that we haven't actually gone inwards to be with the emotion and and do some of that healing work around the trauma or the wounding or the pain. I use that somewhat interchangeably just on these calls because how somebody relates to that might be different. So if you're someone who is knows their patterns and can like connect dots or knows I don't want to do this or I do want to do that, but I'm having trouble doing it over and over and over again, it most likely means that there is a lot of emotion within you that you have not been with, that you have not processed, that you have not done enough of the healing work there in order for the shift to happen. Our system will not budge on something if it needs our attention. Wow. Our system will not budge on something if it needs our attention. Mm-hmm. A, I mean, that's, that's a pretty amazing point And one that I also, mm-hmm. that's another one that that's not the fun piece of this. Everybody wants to talk about the healing, the other side, the best version of themselves. But in reality, I mean, I just know from my own personal experience, you have got to dig up under all under that rug, like everything that we've mm-hmm. shoved under it for years and years. And I was from a family that, quote unquote, it was like a perfect family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, later in life, I understand that, you know, it's it's way easier to just rush things under the rug. And I feel that I feel that that's something that's really common. And it's actually something Mm -hmm. that I talk a lot about on the podcast. Gosh, wouldn't it be so much easier to just leave all that stuff under the rug, but it just gets Mm -hmm. bigger and bigger and bigger and it affects every part of of your life. I'm just mm-hmm. talking from experience. So I guess my question into, so we're on a podcast, but I know that you're a professional at learning how to bring therapy to the masses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a listener, that's like, oh my gosh, she is speaking to me. I'm doing the same thing over and over. I'm choosing this type of man. Say it's a person that's dating. I see actually a lot of, it's funny because you're a marriage and family therapist, but a lot of the questions I was I was seeing on your Instagram were from people that were dating, and you actually have a retreat for singles, like the mm-hmm. find lo- the love you want, like a a really amazing program. What do you feel is something that stands? What is something that's really common that stands in people's way in finding the love that they want, whether they're single or whether they're new in their relationship, finding the love from their partner? I guess that they want integrating pain, integrating trauma, integrating our wounding. You know, I think I always say that we need self and relational awareness in order to really stand shoulder to shoulder with someone else. And what gets us to that is like, we can be aware. And this is where we move from like the thinking brain into embodied, like feeling our way through it. A lot of times we're really good at understanding. We've done all the reading. We read all the quotes. Mm -hmm. We've taken the courses. We've done, you know, like all of the things we get it, right? We get it up here, but we don't feel our way through things. And I think that's one of the biggest blocks that most people have is that they think that just understanding it intellectually is going to to get them there. And it, and it doesn't, right. It's like, you have to feel your way through a part. The thinking part, the connecting the dots is a beautiful start point. It's incredible. A lot of people can't do it. So if you're listening to this and you're like, ah, shoot, I've just done the thinking like, no, no good on you. That's incredible because so many people are even blocked to seeing where their dots connect. It's so, you know, gentleness and compassion always for the self, but it has to go a step further. And that to me is like, I have not actually felt what I need to feel in order to like, it's, it's almost like on a cellular level, right? For it to begin to shift. So I know that that is, I wish that there was like a one, two, three, follow these things like old school Cosmo, you know, you know do, do that and this will happen. But I think if, if I could offer anything, it's to... Yes, recognize the patterns and you know, no, notice those things, but also make sure that you spend time feeling. Connect to, you know, we talk a lot about the inner child in, you know, the therapy world. And I don't know if that's a term that's come up in other podcasts for you in, in the past, but 
you know, when I think of my inner child, when I think of me, I think of me at, you know, five or six years old, most of the time. And it's the times in our lives that sort of get trapped. It's this very like trauma related where it like stops in time where something happened. And, you know, for me, my little girl didn't get what's, you know, something that she needed. Right. And so for the listeners to think like, when are those moments? Like when I think of myself as a child, you know, what age am I? Right. Like what, what comes up, who comes up what, at, at that moment? Because she, right. For me, she will not let me go somewhere else because she doesn't want to be left behind. Right. The little girl with Anita does not want to be left behind. Right. She wants me as the adult right, in this relationship, me with me to see her. Right. To honor, to witness the sadness, to witness the pain, to witness the experience of what it was like to go through that. And if I have to be like, oh, no, 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 but it was totally fine. Or like, you know, my dad wasn't around a lot because he was working so much, but like he was a provider and that's what he needed to do. And, And I constantly have to override these things to make them make sense. Then I'm never actually honoring the inner children, right, within that maybe felt like dad was absent or, you know, dad wasn't present or I, I missed him. I wanted him, right? Like that's just an example of it. And so I do think a lot of the times when we can tap into that inner child work and sort of reparent by witnessing and observing and feeling like, you know, when kids just want their parents to to lay with them and hold Mm -hmm. them and like, just be here with, right. You as a parent, right. Like just be here with me, right. Like hold me, right. Cuddle me. You know, make it feel safe, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's, that's essentially what we're trying to do with ourselves to say, I, I see you, right? I see myself, I witness myself. So it's when we don't do some of those pieces, we're just trying to jump from point A to point Z without slowing down and being with ourselves along the way, feeling into the, whatever the pain is, like allowing it to take up space and trusting ourselves to be able to be with it and see it without shaming it or guilting it or being embarrassed by it. Yeah. It's hard work though. It's, it it is hard work. (laughs) I've, I've, I've done a lot of it myself, but still fall back into it. Have to repeat it again. But I like so many things you said already, you, you know, you can't jump from A to Z and you can't, in the beginning of the podcast, you were talking about how, you know, you were saying, and I've said before, but I'm an independent woman. Like I don't need to, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. okay. It's fine. All of that in the past, it's fine because I'm strong and I'm here and I'm fine. But if you have to keep saying that over and over, like, oh, it's, it was okay. Or it was fine. I can totally see how those are things that you, you need to go back and revisit. And there's something about the inner child work that is so emotional, like thinking mm-hmm. about thinking of yourself as mm-hmm. a child and not receiving things that, that you needed. Yeah. It's like, you see these innocent children. I see my own children and you think, Oh, I just want to give them everything. But as parents, so many times we just get in our own way and we're so wrapped up in our own everything that you don't. Yeah. And I always try and provide, I always try and bring professionals like you onto this podcast that that can help us, that can guide us through. If maybe you're a person that can't afford therapy or it's not the right time, or you live in the middle of a community that doesn't even have therapy, it's so amazing to be able to have a resource like you that can teach us these types of things, or at least, like you said in the beginning, form a new thought. If it can form a new thought, just like your Instagram may jog someone's mind around something and you're connecting dots and are like, aha, this is what I need to work on. And you know, I, I, as I was going through a lot of your content, people ask a lot about boundaries. And I feel like that's a word that's thrown around a lot. And mm-hmm. people want to say, oh, I've set boundaries with this person, or I've set boundaries with myself, and I've set boundaries with my children. And people throw it around a lot. And I want to hear from a professional like you, hey, can you just explain to someone that's like, what are all these people on social media talking about with these boundaries? You know, <laughs> what, what are boundaries? You talk a lot about mm-hmm. how they can be too rigid, how they can be too porous. I, I like the kind of image of you on a podcast. You were talking about how you felt like you were like on a fence, like good, kind of mm-hmm. going back and forth between the two types of boundaries. Talk a little bit about that because I feel like boundaries can be super powerful and can really help in a lot of relationships. Yeah. Yeah. You've got the language already. We, you know, in the therapy world, we talk a lot about boundaries being 
rigid, porous, or healthy, right? And obviously our goal being for us to have healthy boundaries. And so, you know, the rigid boundaries are, if you want the visual, it's the concrete wall that's really high up nothing's getting in and out. The porous boundaries are the fence with huge holes in it because I don't know, animals have come running through it. And, you know, so now anything can get in and out. And, and the healthy boundary would be like the fence that's intact that has the, you know, that has the latch and you can open it when it's appropriate. And then you just close it. Right. That like you get to choose who comes in and who comes out and, or who goes out. And, and so you know, I think a lot of times actually in the you know media world, we, we overemphasize the setting of boundaries, but we don't, we don't spend a lot of time talking about lifting boundaries. What'd okay. you say? I said going through with the consequence like that. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because we will speak it, but there has to be a consequence on the other side in order for the boundary to truly be honored. So, you know, for me, I do like to talk about recognizing where we need to set the boundary in order to protect ourselves, but also where we need to lift a boundary in order to connect ourselves. So, you know, this language, right. So like this language is really important. I love it. My, my colleague, um, Alexander Solomon put beautiful words to this through connection and protection, right? So yes. Right. So it's like when we are in healthy boundaries, I feel both protected and connected when I'm in a porous place, right? I, I, I sacrifice protection for connection, Mm -hmm. whatever you wanted. Sure. Yes. Oh, you can't make the date tonight. Let's do it tomorrow. You betcha. Oh, tomorrow comes around. You can't do the date tonight. Uh, let's do it the next day. Oh, you betcha. You can't do it the next day. Uh, right. Like we don't say no or honor something because all we want is some form of connection, even at the expense of ourselves. Right. Rigid is protection at all costs. Ain't nobody coming into this space and you're not going to hurt me. You're not going to harm me. You can't even access me, but it comes at the cost of connection, right? I will never be able to be deeply connected to someone when that concrete wall is all the way to the top of the sky and, and that's it. So why do some people show up in different areas? Well, a lot of it has to do with our wounding, our pain, Mm -hmm. our trauma, right? So if in our like if in our stories we had people who were you know constantly porous with us let's say it was a parent who was not able to manage their own emotional be- way of being mm-hmm. and they needed tons of stuff from us as a kid mm-hmm. and we became a caretaker to a parent yeah. Right. So we may either take a path of repetition or we might take a path of opposition. So we may find ourselves in future dynamics as adults where we allow the same thing to happen. Right. We're just yeah. constantly there, t- caretaking everybody else, making sure that their emotional well-being is 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 taken care of at the expense of ourselves because that's what we know. We also might take a path of opposition, meaning I swing the pendulum all the way to the other side. I'm so fed up with what I had to deal with as a kid that I will never do that again. Right. And we become really rigid. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like totally. the, right. Yeah, and so talking about the rigid piece, because mm-hmm. when I hear people ask about boundaries, it, it's always that I need to set, I need to set. It's never I need to lift. Right. And that's I love it that you're talking about that. Cause I I never even until I started listening to your content, mm-hmm. I was like, nobody's really talking about this side of, of boundaries. Right. Like, how do we need to soften them a little bit to be connected? Because connection's so important. That's right. Yeah. Right. So it's like you know, recognizing why I might be holding in this position right now. Why do I feel I need to protect myself so much? Why do I feel like I need to connect so much? Did I not get connection as a child in a healthy way? Did I always need to fight for attention? Was love through performance? What did I have to do in order to be seen by you? Right. So like really asking those questions to say like, how did I, how did I find myself in this position? Am I trying to protect myself? And what was I trying, like, what's the origin story there? What am I, what did I need to protect myself from in my family system, right? Or who didn't protect me from something in my family system, right? Maybe, maybe a trauma happened that where somebody didn't step in or there, there wasn't protection. So that wall is all the way up now. And it's like, uh uh-uh, I'm not bringing that down. Bad things happen when I bring that down, right? So our job is to 
begin to explore where do I find myself on what, you know, on the wall, on the fence, like where, where am I? And trying to get curious about, well, what got me there? Right. Like, have I taken this path of opposing what I've experienced before, or am I taking the path of repeating what I experienced before? Because a lot of times in that pattern, we are, you know, recreating certain things to, you know, finally be loved or finally be chosen or finally have somebody see us or, you know, choose us, love us, et cetera, et cetera. Right. If only I work so hard to get you to love me. Yeah. And so we'll, I was going to say this, this could be in an intimate relationship with a spouse, or this could be with a child. I'm, I'm assuming sure. you're talking about any relationship, a parent, but I hear you talk a lot about also boundaries with yourself, with mm-hmm. how you talk to yourself or, you know, different things to do with that. And while I have a lot of different people that will listen to this podcast, some may be married, some may be dating, some may be single. Mm-hmm. I feel like you can always improve your relationship with with yourself. I've heard you say some pretty amazing things kind of in that space too. So can you speak to that? Because I never really thought about, oh, let's set boundaries with myself. Yeah. But it's a really powerful thing, I think, in, in trying to live your life to the fullest. On a, on a simplest form, it's matching your yeses with your yeses and your noes with your noes, okay. right? Like I think a lot of times part of this repair and restoration of trusting the self requires this daily practice of following through with something that's a yes is a yes. And something that's a no is a no really simple, right? That's something that all of us can begin to do immediately. You don't need anything. You just need to listen and see if this is something that resonates and then you can begin to put it into practice. It's like creating these commitments for ourselves where we follow through because the moment we say no to something that's a yes or yes to something that's a no, there is a betrayal that happens with the self. The self cannot trust the self, right? Right. The self learns your word means nothing. Mm -hmm. You'll betray yourself. You'll, you'll abandon something for something else, right? Like that's what it teaches it. Right. So on its simplest form, begin to match yeses with yeses and noes with noes. When you get stuck or confronted, there's a follow-up question. So I know that I don't actually want to go on a date with this person, but oh, like I, I think I'm just saying yes. I think I'm I'm just gonna say yes. Right. It's like pausing in that space to say, well, well, what's coming up for me here? Right. Like if I say no, what am I afraid will happen? Yeah. What's what am I afraid of having happen? Yeah. I lose the date. I don't have an opportunity of having this person love me, want me, choose me, want to go on another date with me. Like, what's the fear on the other side of saying no? What's the fear on the other side of saying yes? Right. This is how we can begin to zoom in a little bit more on what's driving the behavior. Right. What's driving the choice and the decision. Right. I think another angle of it is being aware of our inner self critic. Right. Oh, that's so, a great one. Yeah. It, right. Generally has been the internalizing of an outer critic. Right. So whether we experienced it towards us from somebody else, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was an ex, you know, it could be, it could be anybody, but this, these words, these criticisms that we now have absorbed as our own, or it might be through observation. Maybe we watched mom criticize dad mm-hmm. very harshly. And so now we see parts of ourselves and dad and then begin to self-criticize and become judgmental and harsh with ourselves because we associate with something else. Yeah. Right. And so how do we begin to pause some of these things and you know crack them is by becoming observers, right? This practice is all about waking up, becoming aware, noticing ourselves when we're doing it. Right. And so sometimes we don't notice it in the moment. Sometimes we notice it at the end of the day when we're like, whoa, that was harsh. Right. Like we can be, we can be quite abusive towards ourselves. If we all cracked open our skulls and got to hear right, the, the inner chatter that many of us have, we'd be like, oh my gosh, this is, this is why we, we don't speak to anybody else yes. most of the time like That's that. So true. I, I remember one time, I don't know if it was a therapist or I can't remember someone was like, would you ever speak to anyone like 
you're speaking to yourself in your own head? Yeah. And I was like, of course not, <laughs> because I'm like a nice person. <laughs> I care about humanity. And like, right. but then you're thinking, well, heck, you're, you're talking to yourself like that. So yeah. it's, it, it is, it's, it's funny to, to say that, but it isn't it the truth, the way mm-hmm. that we talk to ourselves. And, and a lot of times, you know, I learned to like check the facts a lot of times because I would say, you know, I, I do this or I do that. And I would, I would check the facts and I would say, I used to do that actually, but I don't anymore. So why am I still saying it? And it really helped me to get rid of some of those thoughts. And it took kind of over and over and over having to repeat those steps. But I feel like I'm a lot better at, at that and it, just in my own journey. And I'm glad that we talked about that, that kind of boundaries with self. And I feel like that's really the yeses are yeses, the no are no's, and then kind of revisiting that and asking that second question. I think that's amazing advice. And, you know, something else that you said that I want to talk about, because, you know, we're always going to experience conflict. And I like starting to think about conflict in, in, in a positive life, in, my, in a positive light in my own life. So I think of, of conflict, you always say conflict is a beautiful gateway to connection. And I believe that. Mm-hmm. I think some of my strongest, deepest relationships have been through the biggest conflict. And whenever I was younger, I used to always think, well, you know, the people that would say, oh, we never fight. and We really get along. I used to always envy those relationships and say, that's what I want one day. And I sit here now in my own marriage and I say, that's not, that's actually not what I want because I want a relationship. You're always going to have conflict. I want a relationship where we can have major conflict and we can get through to the other side as a stronger, deeper, you know, mm-hmm. more connected couple. Yeah. And I, you kept saying that in a lot of the content that I was listening to. And I was just like, man, that is, that is so true. So can you speak to that person who may be a person that's in a relationship where there is conflict and I'm, I'm not talking, there is some conflict that obviously you need to get out of that relationship. If it's conflict that's hurting you, that's, that's abuse and mm-hmm. you know, that type of conflict. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about you know, you have different values and you keep clashing over the same things. I'm I'm talking, you keep having the same arguments over and over and it's never resolved, that type of stuff. Can you talk about how you can turn that conflict into connection? Yeah. So, you know, where we start as, as we probably get by this point is understanding what our story is around conflict, right? What, what has informed us about conflict, right? So my, my first ask is generally, okay, well, what did conflict look like growing up, right? Well, what did it look like? And some people say, well, there wasn't any. Okay. So, so, you know, okay, got it. Or maybe it was behind closed doors or what, you know, so for most people, right? Conflict is something that we want to avoid because it meant anger. It meant aggression. It might've meant silent treatment. It might've meant passive aggressiveness. It might've meant not speaking together with one another for a week. It might mean being swept under the rug, right? On and on and on. It might, it mean, it can mean a lot of different things that don't generally generate trust and safety and security for us, right? What's going on? Something energetically feels weird and off, especially as kids. And so we're like, ooh, well, yeah, I don't want to go there. And, or conflict means attention, right? So sometimes people create conflict in order to connect, right? Sometimes people tear at the relationship so there can be moments of attention, connection, oftentimes confused for, you know, love, right? So a lot of times our trauma bonds will, will show up in that space. But, you know, in this work, right, it's, it's that we're trying to change this narrative to say that conflict is information and, that's a beautiful start point. It's like, okay, so if I just look at this as information, what what is there for me? I do agree, like what you said before, I do repeat that sentiment over and over and over again. That that for me, conflict is one of the greatest gateways for deep connection, understanding, intimacy, togetherness, et cetera, et cetera. And and so when we go into conflict and we say, or we're on the other side of it and we say, okay, something's here right? Like it's my job to learn something new about me and something new about you, right? If something has peaked like this in the way that we just did it, it means that something really important is here, right? There's a flag in the sand waving saying like, Hey, Hey, Hey guys, please slow down. 
connect to this. This is here. This is, this is old, right? This is, this is familiar. The only reason we move into a space like that, right, is because something has just been crossed. Something is, is familiar, right? This is in our history. Like I know this and I'm going to protect myself or I'm going to attack you or whatever, but something's about to go down. And so when we can pull ourselves back out of that for a moment to begin to become observers of ourselves and the other person, then we're going to learn something there. So you know, most of the time we don't do that well. Most of the time we wind up getting caught in like shame loops because we're embarrassed of how we've acted. The other person might be embarrassed by how they've acted. Maybe we're re- feel really hurt and harmed and, and we're defensive. We're proving a point. We need to like be right and make the other person wrong. Like there's so much that happens in conflict. Those things are really common ways of being, right? And when we're in the space of needing to prove our point, needing to be right, making the other person wrong, needing to win, making sure that we're not losing, right? If that's the focus, which oftentimes it is, then we're not actually accessing this beautiful information that is underneath the surface. And so what do we do, right? What do we do? And, and again, as, as pretty much with everything we've talked about here is like, it's, it can be complex and it can take a lot of work because we can't just redesign this in a day and in a moment. But I think if I could offer anything, it's the next time conflict comes up for you and maybe you get into it and it's not until days later that you realize, oh, there, like, there it was. And okay, you know, and I think I listened to this podcast a few weeks ago and she was talking about this thing. Right? Is I would really encourage people to go and journal and, and write and say, try to see what's familiar in that space. It's not about the, the content of what the detail, the fact of what you're fighting about. Mm-hmm. Ugh, they left the the toilet seat up or the tooth right these very like that's what used to be like i don't want in the weeds yeah get out of there yeah it's it's connected to something right like what's the wound what's the thing that you are not feeling or are feeling because of that Mm -hmm. right i ask you i don't feel seen by you right i don't feel honored or respected by you i i feel betrayed i feel unloved in this moment. I feel right. If you can fill in that blank and then in your journaling ask, so what's familiar about that? Right. Where have I, where have I experienced that before? You know, where's the history to what came up for me? Mm -hmm. What was that? How was I trying to protect myself in the conflict? Okay. Right. By needing to be right, by proving my point, by, by showing you how much you were wrong, right? Like just exploring that, where do I go and how do I become in that space? Oh, honest. I become mean. I become harsh. I become someone I don't want to be, you know, like asking those questions or maybe we flee, right? Like a lot of times, you know, probably people have heard the common fight or flight approach. There's also freeze and fawn. Right, so there's actually four F's, four ways in which we'll go into defense mechanisms, right? And so we might fight and go after it. We might flee the situation and get the heck away and shut down. Freeze is also another way of like just staying stuck in, in, in like sort of frozen. I mean, that's why we call it freeze, right? It's like we just freeze in that moment and just want to not not engage at all. Mm-hmm. A lot of times fleers will become productive and freezers will not become productive. And then fawn is, I just want to make it go away. Like, what do I need to do? Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. Like right. we become the pleaser. Right. And so just thinking about the ways we respond in conflict and what happens, how do I try to protect myself? Which one of the F's do I go into? What am I trying to protect? But if I'm moving away from, do I really need to protect myself right now? And sometimes the answer is yes. Yeah. As you said, like we might be in a dangerous situation and we may need to flee and get the heck out, right? Um, right? We might need to fight. So this isn't about overriding this always. Sometimes we need to honor our, our threat response, right? But a lot of times the response is something that we can actually be with without closing off to it, right? Sometimes it's like, okay, but I really, I have a partner who I love, who loves me, and I had this person across from me who like, we're just, we're in the weeds right now. We're, we're not, we're not seeing to the other side, but it's not, 
it's not a situation that I can't be present to, right? I, I can be here and I can start to feel and connect to what's going on for me. And in that space, we can become more informed about like this recreated X, you know, from my childhood or this recreated Y from a past relationship or, you know, like this brought forward an insecurity that I have of not being enough or, you know, not being respected enough or, you know, whatever. And so when we can begin to bring that forward in conversation, hopefully we have somebody on the other side who can hear that and is willing to hear that and engage in it. I know we're not all in those situations because a lot of times we have people who shut down or won't hear it or are defensive, but our job is still to do our work regardless of other people. Right. So, you know, those are some of the, again, it can be complex, but hopefully those are um, some access points, at least to becoming more aware of what goes on in conflict and how we can begin to reframe it and see that it could lead us to something much deeper, much more intimate with ourselves and another. To connection, yeah, like yeah. just what, what you were saying, because it's usually you're so right. It's usually not that thing like you never do the dishes. It's mm-hmm. something much deeper than that. Why know, do I? Have, yes, lives being like, why the heck won't you ever do the dishes? But it's it's just yeah. not about the weeds of it. And yeah, mm-hmm. I've learned that, and it's been a really powerful thing to learn in my own relationship. I'm so glad that we talked a lot about that today. Because I think it's something that a lot of my listeners can they can take that on themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know, something that you just said, you you may not always have a, a willing partner in this. Say, say you are in a relationship that you keep having these conflicts. You really want a deeper connection. You want to better your relationships. You want to be better at modeling relationships to children, or you just want to get out of the conflict, or you want to find the love that you want. You know, whatever it is, and. I know you do retreats for singles and and you talk a lot about how important self-awareness is in relationships. And, you know, I, I see people all the time on Instagram being like, I know myself, you know, I'm the best <laughs> version of myself. And, and it's a thing that everybody's talking about right now. How important is it to... I mean, I, I know the answer to this. Of course, it's important to be self-aware before you get into a relationship. I guess what I'm asking, if you're a person that feels like, gosh, I don't even know myself and you're already in a relationship, what are the steps that you can take? Here you are. You're listening to you and I on this podcast. What's something that you can do regardless of if your partner wants to talk about all this with you, if your partner's sitting here listening to this with you, if your partner's willing to go to therapy, you know, maybe that's not the case, but what's something that we can do within ourselves to help us in our relationship? Well, if you're sitting here and thinking, oh gosh, I'm not self-aware, that is you being self-aware, right? right? So <laughs> yeah, like good for you, right? If you're like, oh shoot, I don't do this stuff well, I preach, right? Like none of us did. I didn't do it well for a long time, mm-hmm. right? And it also never ends and we never, never stop the journey. And so good on you for recognizing like, oh, okay, well, there's, you know, there's been a block for me or there's the limitation for me. And where do I begin without necessarily needing to go do a deep dive into therapy? You know, I think that we can do journaling, we can do meditation, we can do breath work, we can try to become observers of ourselves. I have two relationship journals, they're free. And so we can link them. Yes, um, link all of that. Yes. Sure. And, and that these are prompts for whether you're not partnered, or you are partnered right now, okay. prompts to do every single day for 30 days. And, and so that's, you know, that's something that we can wake up to and do every single day, but it's a commitment. It's a daily practice that is required right now to do this waking up. And so I'd say journal. Yeah. I love it. Right. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Right. Not just in the physical sense, right. It's like, we have to wake up the emotional, spiritual sense and begin to understand ourselves better. And so I think those journals are a great place to start. I think that if you can get into a little bit of meditation um, and begin to become observers of ourselves, observers of our own thoughts, like, ooh, what popped in just now? Mm -hmm. Like when we're talking about the inner critic before, for example, you know, breath work can be a beautiful thing as well. And then, you know, going, circling back a little bit to where where we began is that you can take week by week like 
what did I learn about religion? What did I learn about money? What did I learn about communication? What did I learn about conflict? What did I learn, you know, and sort of go down, we, we put a list out before, you know, gender, sex, intimacy, right? all these things and take it slow at, at the pace that works for you to say like, what did I see? What did I observe? What was spoken to me? What did I absorb? Well, how did these things become part of my belief system? And do I agree with those things today? Yeah. Do I have questions about those things? Do I disagree? Do I need to rid something? Because yeah. that's the stuff when we said before, like jump in the driver's seat of your own life, like that's the stuff that drives us. Yeah. Right? Our unconscious, conscious programming is in the driver's seat 95 to 99% of the time. Yeah. That means that we are that's conscious crazy. one to five percent of the time. Wow. That statistic should blow everybody's mind. That, that does blow right? Up. It's like, wait a second, what do you mean? And that's just it's just programming and conditioning. Yeah. Programming and conditioning. Our systems are running on their patterns. That's all it is. Yeah. So how powerful job, for oof. for us to be able to with one of your journals or just it doesn't, we don't even have to get to the conflict in the relationships. Yeah. We can start with ourselves. I, I'm yes. glad I asked that question because you've jogged my mind on, on this. And I, I feel like I, I'm, I need to do this exercise again. It's so powerful to sit there in your power and do it before you even get to the conflict or before you even get in, in a relationship. And especially here we are, you know, this episode is, is going to air while we're all sitting here with a little bit more time on our hands. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, what a perfect time to do that. And even if you are in a relationship right now, like don't work, no, nobody has to, to freak right now, right? Like we're okay, right? Like it's okay if you don't know a lot of these parts and you are in a relationship. We get to evolve and expand at any point, no matter what it looks like. We don't have to be, we'll never be finished products. And I never tell people that, oh, you have to complete on something before you get into a relationship. Like you are allowed, right? I mean, listen, if you're entirely asleep, you know, it may not go so well, but that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to, you know what I mean? Like as long as you're not trying to harm people, and be reckless in a dynamic, right? Like open your mind. Here you are. You're listening to this today. Beautiful. Open your mind, open your heart, be willing to do that work. See what it is that you can learn about yourself and somebody else. If that's something that you are not rejecting, like if you heard me say those words and you're like, okay, right. And you feel a peace within you versus contraction. And like, what's this woman talking about? And like, no, and rejection, right? Like just open heart, right? Like that's okay. And so Wherever you are in your journey right now, and if you, I don't know, do you know about our course? We've got the like six week digital course, right? So like that may actually- love you want one? Yeah. Yes. So Uh that, if people actually want to do a deeper dive into it, that one's really good. I'm like that one. Yeah. yeah, Whenever you said that, I was like, yes, of course I know about that course. (laughs) an amazing course too to offer and it's yeah yes. get the love you want that's what Vienna is referring to right now and I'll leave that definitely leave that in the show notes because that's a that's a really amazing like deep dive tool yeah we'll give you guys a discount code for your oh, amazing so Thank people you. can can Thank do it because if you're at home right now and you're wanting to improve yeah. the relationships <laughs> like this is a beautiful time to do uh-huh. the to do the dive so it really yes, is and they're I, you know, I love everything that you've said. It it seems so inviting. And I love when a person as knowledgeable and educated as you can make therapy and bettering ourselves seem like something we want to do. Because a lot of times you think, oh no, I got to go to therapy or I've got to do this work and it's going to be really hard and treacherous. Uh (laughs) And you have evolving and expanding and noticing things. You've made it seem like something that I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to do. And that's, that's really awesome when someone like you that's so deep in this work can, can make people feel like that. That's why I wanted to bring you on the podcast today because you put such a beautiful voice to this type of work. And I, I greatly appreciate Gosh, we've covered so many different things and I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. You've, you've given us so much information already and I, I so appreciate everything. I, I can't thank you enough for all of the 
information that you've brought to the listeners. And I always ask the podcast is living fully. And I always ask, you know, whatever, whatever subject we're talking about. And here we're talking a lot about relationships. Mm -hmm. So how do you, in closing, how do you feel like one can live fully in relationships? Mm -hmm whether it's relationship to self or relationship to other, to me, living fully within that framework is about being willing to look at ourselves, get to know ourselves, be a witness to ourselves, see ourselves. We use the word like waking up a lot today. It's like waking up to the self and to the relationship. Like when we do that, we are living fully in that space. Yeah. It's so beautiful, right? And so, and and it is an access point for every single one of us. That's what's cool. It doesn't cost money. It doesn't discriminate. It's for every single human being, right? Like it's there for us. And it it's just a willingness to, to go there, you yeah. know? So yeah, to me, it's well, just about the waking up. Well, that was perfect. And I'm so glad that you were willing to go there and willing to go there and bring all of this amazing information to us on platforms that we can access like Instagram and all of the ways that you are in the world. I will link Vienna's social media accounts and the courses that we talked about today mm -hmm. and all in the journals and everything that we've talked about today in the show note. That was a really, really beautiful way to end this podcast. I literally can't thank you enough, Vienna, for everything you shared with us today and just mm -hmm. for being such a a great positive voice in the space of something that's really hard to talk about a lot of times. Mm. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Thank you so much. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Tune in next Monday for more. And thank you again, Vienna. Thanks for joining us on Living Fully with Mallory Irvin. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single minute of encouragement and inspiration to live your best life. Want more? Join us on MalloryIrvin.com so we can connect with you on Instagram and YouTube. Start living your life now. You've only got one. We'll see you next time.